All right, everybody else, turn your Bibles to the book of John chapter 13. John chapter 13 for our thoughts this morning. John chapter 13. When you get there, stand with me, please. John chapter 13. The Word of God declares, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of the world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Amen? Woo, good stuff. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. And he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, you are not all clean. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again we come to you, thanking you for this opportunity to assemble in your house and to share the word to worship you in spirit and in truth. And I ask that you just uh, bring to my memory those things I've studied and let me speak boldness and authority those truths you've laid upon my heart. Father, I thank you for everyone gathered here in this place and I pray you'll bless them for being here. And Lord, I pray you'll bless this service. And Lord, most of all, I pray that if there is one amongst us that doesn't know Christ and a free pardon of sin, that this would be the day they receive Christ as Savior before it's eternally too late. Father, you know the prayer requests and our needs. We lay them at your feet and just seek that your blessed will be done. Again, Father, it's good to be in the house of the Lord with my brothers and sisters. Give me where I fail you, for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. I'd like to speak to you, not long, but for a little bit about the upper room. We had the privilege of going to the upper room in Israel, Jerusalem. And uh, I thought it was going to be this big, huge place, but it wasn't very big. But it was definitely an upper room. And something very vital took place in the upper room. Jesus was gathered together with his church. Amen. Do you notice I said his church? I know we like to say, well, the church wasn't established till the day of Pentecost. Uh, Read your Bible. Church was already active 
and conducting himself. See, a church is not a building, it's the people. Amen. But anyways, uh, as I thought about the upper room, I was studying this week, I couldn't help but think, you know, this is literally 24 hours before the Lord goes to the cross and gives his life for our sins. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, if I knew that I only had 24 hours to live, I would probably be a little selfish and want to spend that time doing whatever I wanted to do as far as the pleasures of life are concerned. I would probably think about myself and not too much about the other ones. But understand, when Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples, his church, listen, he wasn't thinking about what awaited him at the cross at Calvary. He was literally thinking, Brother Shiro, about him about his disciples, about them, because he knew what was going to happen was as soon as he was condemned to die and placed on the cross, he knew that the disciples, one, would be very afraid, two, they would be scattered throughout, they would be doubtful, they would literally be in pain for that time. And he thought about that. And can I say this morning that when it comes to you and me, because those of us that are his, that have, are his disciples, that we've been born again, can I say that he thinks about us also? Even living in the bad times we're living in now. And anybody that says that we're not in the bad times, where have you been? It's time to wake up. Amen. Stay out of grandpa's cough medicine. Wake up. Smell the coffee. We are living in some rough times and you ain't seen nothing yet. Before Jesus comes back, you think it's bad now? Oh, just wait and see. But he cares for us. How do I know that? Look at the very first verse. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, and understand there had been many times he had been threatened. People wanted to take his life, but his hour had not yet come. But now, his hour had come. 24 hours. And he would be dead. But thank God he died for the sins of the world. Amen. But notice what it says. It says, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world into the Father. I love this. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them until the end. If I don't like you, shuck, something's wrong. Understand, how long is God going to love me? Forever. It's never going to end. His love is forever. We never have to worry about God saying, oh, you messed up too much. I'm done with you. No, no, no. He loves me, he loves you, he loves the world. And then the Bible says, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Understand, Jesus is at the table there in the upper room. 
And they're all gathered around him. And he's looking at every one of them. And at first glance, you and I would look at all of them and say, weren't they all good? They're all just alike. Well, maybe in terms of they were with Jesus during his earthly ministry, he had called them out from the seashores of Galilee. But there was one that even though he may have looked the part, he may have acted the part, he may have even carried, carried the purse, the money. In fact, it might have appeared that, wow, he was favored because he got to carry the purse. He was a thief. But understand, even though he looked and acted, he wasn't a true disciple of Christ. Understand that. See, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known of them. You see, believe it or not, we can appear and act like we belong, but that doesn't mean we know him. And this was Judas, and I've had people say, poor old Judas, it ain't fair. I mean, he came into the world and he was already condemned. Judas could have been saved just like you and me if he'd have just opened his heart and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He could have been saved just like us. But no, his heart was wicked. His heart was corrupt. And by the way, he was a sinner like you and I. We had the same problem. But the difference between us that are saved and him is that we at least had enough sense to open our heart and receive Christ as our Savior. But he didn't. And I'll be the first to tell you, I don't understand it. How can you be around Jesus all of those three years, see the miracles, see lives changed, hear the greatest sermons a person could ever hear? How could you be around that and not come to the saving knowledge of Christ, recognizing Jesus as the Savior. But before we go on, people ask me that a lot as a pastor. How could Judas not be saved? Well, here's my question to you. How can anybody that comes to church in a local New Testament, Baptist, Bible-believing, Bible-practicing, fundamental Baptist church, how can they sit in the pew for years and not know Jesus? Same thing. Amen. Understand. It's not just about being in the presence of Christ. You must personally and intimately know him as your personal savior. And there's so many out there that yes, they appreciate being in his presence. And they think that's enough. Being in his presence won't get you to heaven. Being a member of a church won't get you to heaven. The only way to heaven is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which flowed on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. Now, here's Judas. Again, you look at him and the others, all appears to be well. 
But there was one difference between Judas and the other disciples. The other disciples knew him. And he knew them. Judas didn't know him. And let me just say this. There's so many out there that believe that really, in fact, there's been several books written. I won't tell you the authors because I don't want you to read them. That declare, no, the purpose for Judas coming into the world was, yes, he had to betray the Lord, but he got a second chance at redemption. Hooey, fooey. How do you get a second chance after you hang yourself and you're dead? Amen? No. But there are those that float that. Oh, he got a second chance. He was only born for that. Just betray him. But God, because he's a God of grace, is going to give him another. Listen, Judas had the same opportunity you and I have. We can either accept him or reject him. But we make that choice. We determine if we're going to go to heaven or hell. Amen? Now, notice what it says in the next verse. Verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. Understand this, please. Jesus suffered and died on the cross for you and me because it was the will of God that he was following. It was God's will. He left heaven, robed himself in the flesh, and died on the cross to provide redemption for all of us. But he did it to fulfill the will of God. Of the Father. Does everybody understand that? And aren't you thankful, knowing what he would face, that he was still willing to come? You know why? To fulfill the will of the Father. What a Savior! Amen. What a Savior. Now, the Bible says this. And he rises from supper. And laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Now, here in the upper room is a lesson about humility. You see, he was the Savior, he was the Redeemer, he was the Master. He was God. And yet he humbled himself and he began to wash the disciples' feet as a picture of one humility. Understand, sometimes, you know, even today, there's denominations that have foot washing. In fact, they believe that it's an ordinance of the church no, it's an example. But some of them, I'm sure, want to do it 
in humility. That's what Jesus is teaching here. But he's also going to teach a spiritual lesson in a few minutes. But some of them, I'm sure, do it in pride. Pride can get in the way. Oh, look at me. Let me tell you something about the Lord. And I've thought of this a little bit, too. As he's washing the feet, Brother Cyril, of the disciples, you know, I'm sure he had no problem coming to John the Beloved disciple because he's the one that he loved, right? And I'm sure he didn't have a problem washing his feet at all. But then Jesus comes, here's Peter. He's washing Peter's feet and he's remembering, he's going to deny me. But yet Jesus humbly and humility washed his feet. And then he comes to Thomas. Thomas is going to doubt. But yet Jesus humbly is washing his feet. You see, Jesus treats everybody the same. There is no respecter of persons. You know, I know sometimes we think, well, that is an addict. I don't want to be around no addict. Well, Jesus doesn't consider that person an addict. He's a person or she is a person in need of saving. Well, that's a wife abuser. Jesus doesn't see that spouse as an abuser, but he sees that spouse as someone that needs salvation. That's an old felon over there. Jesus doesn't see that person as a felon. He sees that person in need of being saved. And if we would all work on our humility and have the same mindset that Christ has, how many more people could we get in the kingdom of God? But no, I don't fool with people like that. Well, aren't you blessed? That's the whole reason Jesus came, was to fool with people just like that. And I hate to bust your bubble, but you're one of those people. You say, I've never done drugs in my life, but you're still a sinner. I've never abused my spouse. You're still a sinner. I've never been to jail. You're still a sinner. Jesus came to provide salvation for mankind. And he doesn't see them the way we see them. Again, he could have said, John, I'm going to spend a lot of time washing your feet because I know you love me. You haven't betrayed me. You don't doubt me. In fact, who was the only one that showed up the day that Jesus died on the cross and witnessed with his own eyes the suffering. It was John. But no, even knowing that all of those that he was washing their feet, even knowing what they were going to do, he humbly did it because of his love for them. And Jesus dying on the cross is because he loves you and me also. Now, the Bible says this. Good old Peter, bless his heart. Verse 6, then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him,
to him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Lord, what are you doing? You see, Peter didn't get it. But Jesus is fixing to teach a very good spiritual lesson. Lord, you're going to wash my feet, really? And Jesus said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Boy, do I have a lesson to teach you guys. I hope you get it. And Peter said, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Peter, understand, unless I wash you by my blood shed upon the cross of Calvary, then you cannot go to heaven. You'll have no part of me, Peter, without being washed by the blood. Peter's going, nope, nope, you ain't washing my feet, Lord. Understand. You and I are going to heaven. We must be washed by the blood. Amen. Now, notice. Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. <laughs> yeah. Lord, just give me an old-fashioned bath. Wash me. And notice what Jesus said. And here is where the lesson comes into us this morning. Verse 10. And Jesus said to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. Now, those two words in verse 10, washed, and wash are two Greek words, and I will not pronounce them because y'all won't understand what I'm saying, and I can't pronounce very good. But one thing I know about Greek, I, I learned when I was in school, I learned some definitions. When he said, lest you washed, the Greek word that that is referring to is to be fully immersed and washed all over. From head to toe. What's he talking about? Us being fully washed and cleansed by the blood. That's what he's talking about there with Peter. And then he uses the word wash. Now, that also comes from the Greek word, L-O-U-O. I cannot pronounce it, but that's the word. Check me. I'm telling you the truth. But the definition means to be partially cleansed. In other words, wash certain areas like your hands, your face, your feet. You say, well, why would he tell Peter he had to be fully cleansed by the blood? And then he's talking about being partially cleansed. It's because of this right here. Even though 
you and I that have been born again, we've been washed and cleansed fully by the blood of Christ. We are saved, we're redeemed, we are secure in Christ forever. We still have to have daily cleansing by the blood every day because we still sin. And if you and I are going to have fellowship with God and our fellowship is going to be with the Lord, then there must be daily cleansing. Listen, Brother Bob can attest, he's been to Israel a couple times. It's dusty there. And in the Lord's day, they had to have their feet washed all the time. And beloved, as a believer, even though we've been cleansed once and for all when Jesus died on the cross, there still must be daily cleansing because we sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But understand, it's got to be daily. Amen? Daily. So in order for you and I as believers to have a close fellowship with the Lord, then we must be willing to confess our sins every day. You say, you sin, Pastor? Surely not. You're a spiritual guy. You don't sin every day. Listen, I sin every single day. No, I've got my want to fixed. And no, I don't do what I did when I was lost and living in the world. But sometimes I might get angry if somebody cuts me off. I might point my finger in anger. In fact, I'm guilty of that a lot. It's a good thing you don't know how I used to be, what I used to be, because I'd have just run you off the road and pulled you out the window and beat you to death. That's the wrong attitude. That's a sin. Amen? Yeah. Who do I, yeah. Be my luck, pull somebody out of the window, and he's about six foot seven, 400 pounds. He just beat the soup out of me. So God gives me, there, there is a line. The Holy Spirit says, stupid, stop. But my point is this, y'all. We have to be cleansed. Daily. Daily. And here's the thing. Here's a little earthly story the Lord is using. To drive home such a spiritual lesson and teaching. Such, I can't even describe. And he's trying to set the disciples straight before he goes to the cross. And he teaches this little truth. You got to be fully cleansed by the blood. And you have to have daily cleansing afterwards. And boy, every day I have to ask God to forgive me. Lord, I stopped too long and should have kept turning the channel. Y'all ever been there? Sure, you had your head like this. Yeah. How many of you have been in checkout? outstand at the store 
National Enquirer. Oh, I'd never buy one of them, but while you're waiting in line, you're just reading the National Enquirer. We've all been there, haven't we? So the Bible says if we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And the next verse says, if we say we have no sin, we're liars. And denied the truth. Okay? You say, well, why do you got to be honest? Because I'm in God's house. And I got to give an account of what I say to God one day. That's why. Notice what he says. He that is washed needs not to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. Every whit, y'all, thank the Lord, from head to foot, cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And you're clean, but not all. Verse 11, for he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, ye are not all clean. Who was he referring to? Back to Judas. Absolutely. Back to Judas. You see, don't make the mistake that Judas made. As I said a moment ago, it's not about being in the Lord's presence. Being around the Lord. It's about knowing the Lord. And opening your heart up to the Lord so that he can save you. Judas could have been saved, humbled himself, said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I believe you are the Messiah. You're the Savior of the world. Had he prayed that prayer and meant it, he would have been immediately saved. But here's the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. He didn't. And he went off into eternity Christless, and he's spending eternity fully separated from God who loved him in a place called hell, reserved for the devil and his angels. You say, is that God's fault? Nope, that's Judas's fault. Anybody that goes to hell goes there because they send themselves there. Lord has never sent anybody to hell. But we send ourselves when we refuse to accept the Savior. Pretty simple, huh? I'll close with this. Jesus, again, with this little earthly story, is sharing the greatest spiritual truth there is to the world. And that is... If you plan on being saved, if you plan on spending eternity with him in heaven, you must be washed by the blood of Jesus. Have you been washed? Only you can answer that. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing 
but the blood of Jesus. I can only answer for me. I've been washed. How about you? Oh, there's plenty of blood. Amen. His blood will never, ever run out or dry. So come. Come.